My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point Church. And uh, I believe at this time the kids can be dismissed to uh, CP Kids. You can go back and follow Pastor Scott. Just wanted to mention real briefly, uh, and if you are a guest with us this morning, I just want to give a special welcome to you. We're glad that you chose to be with us. I know it can be, it can feel kind of uh, strange or uncomfortable walking into a new church for the first time, but we want to make you feel welcome, like you're one of us. There is a little card in the seat in front of you, or at least there should be in one of the seats in front of you. Uh, If you get a couple minutes before you leave today, we'd really appreciate it if you would just take some time to fill out whatever information you're comfortable with so we can get to know you better. Maybe if you get uh, bored with the sermon at some point or you can just start filling this out. I'm just kidding. You'll you'll never get bored with the sermon here. No, I realize how it goes. So we would appreciate that. Uh, We started a new series last week called Side by Side and uh, Phil Bowen kicked it off for us. It It was a great message um, I went back and listened to it again last night. It was uh, just a great way to kick off the series. Today we're going to be talking about struggle. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning, just how much of a struggle it is to follow Jesus, and especially how much of a struggle it is to follow Jesus in community. Have you ever tried something, have you ever tried something you didn't finish? Anybody? <laughs> Anyone ever start a diet and not finish it? How many of you have started a diet many times and not finished it? Thank you, thank you for those of you who are bold enough to raise your hands. A little over three years ago, I turned 40. That's not a joke. I really turned 40. I don't know why that's funny. And I started this kind of health and fitness journey. Uh, I was an athlete in high school and my first year of college, and uh, then I got, mar- you know, I got married and, wow. Just kind of let myself go. I was a little overweight, very out of shape. I could tell my body was slowing down. And I have five kids. They're younger. I wanted to be able to keep up with my kids and, and uh, just kind of reverse that trend. And so I started a 90-day program just kind of on a whim. And I remember, I remember kind of researching, what do I want to do? What are my fitness goals and all these kind of things? And, and every fitness expert kept saying, if you want to start your fitness journey and finish it and reach your goals, you have to do it with other people. You have to have a community around you who can support you and encourage you and help, you, you know, help keep you accountable to your goals and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, and they're right. It's nearly impossible to start a journey like that in your 40s and finish it and stick to it if you don't have other people around you holding you accountable. That's one reason why CrossFit is so popular today. I don't know if you know what CrossFit is. CrossFit is kind of a special kind of gym and method of exercise and fitness. Uh, It's pretty unique. In some ways it's not, but in some ways it is. And what CrossFit offers you, if you could put the slide up here. Uh, One more. There we go. There's a CrossFit gym. What CrossFit does is they get everybody together and everyone does the same workout every day. Not the same workout every day, but they do the workout of the day. They all do it together. At their own level. They're all doing the same exercise together. They, uh, they do it like that every day that you're there. You're going to do the same exercise with everyone who's there. And you're encouraging each other. Everyone knows each other's names. Everyone believes in each other. Wherever, whatever level you're at, 
you are encouraged and you feel like you're part of that community. That's part of the draw of CrossFit. If you walk into like a regular fitness gym, you're not going to see this. You're going to see people at all different kinds of machines and think, doing their own thing with their headphones in and don't talk to me, I'm working out. And, you know, but at CrossFit, it's totally different. A CrossFit gym, it's a community. And I actually, I don't do CrossFit because I can't afford it, but I know that, I know some people who do, I know some CrossFitters, and uh, that's why they do it. That's why they stick with it is because of the community element. That's what keeps them going. And one thing that I've heard annoys people about CrossFitters is that all they talk about is CrossFit. <laughs> that's just, they are so passionate about CrossFit. And I actually appreciate that about them because they're passionate about the one thing that keeps them together. They're super passionate about it. It's true. They talk about it all the time and they're, they're, they're just focused on the same thing together. And to them, that's the difference between your fitness being just a stage of your life or a season and your fitness becoming a lifestyle. Okay, to CrossFitters, that's a, that's a lifestyle to them. And that's the difference. And, and fitness has actually, even though I don't do CrossFit, fitness has become part of my way of life. It's become part of my lifestyle. I can't imagine my life with, without doing it. It's, it's something that's important to me. It's not super important to me, uh, it's, but it's, it's important enough that I, I have been able to stick, to stick with it. And um, it, it didn't start that way, but that's what it's become. And I, I got to tell you, it's very hard. It's, a very, it's very hard. I mean, if it, if it were easy, we would all be doing it. If... if if being fit and healthy were easy, I, I, am, I am sure that every one of you would be doing it because we all want to feel good. We all want to look good. We all want that energy. We all want to live longer. And we all want to be able to do things at 45 that we could do at 25. We all want that. But the reason that most people don't do it is because it's extremely hard. It takes discipline. It takes focus. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes determination and perseverance. And it actually takes community. It does take a lot of accountability. And if it's that hard to stay on a health journey, it's way harder to stay on a faith journey. It's way harder to stay on a faith journey. I know that that's true. Building your whole life around Jesus is costly. It's going to cost you friends. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you sweat and tears and energy and sleepless nights. It'll cost you everything. Following Jesus is a constant struggle. There are always going to be obstacles in your, in your way. And, and let me just make this comparison. You know, no one is going to hate you or resist you or put all these obstacles in your way to a healthier lifestyle. People respect that. People usually want to help you, you know, reach your fitness goals. But people, there are people who will hate you and bully you and intimidate you and, re- and reject you and put obstacles in your way to following Jesus. But here's the thing. If you don't finish your health journey, you'll lose strength and you'll lose speed and mobility and energy and things like that. It's not the end of the world. But if you don't finish your faith journey, you'll lose yourself. You'll lose it all. And that's why we have this amazing letter from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians. And if you were here last week, you heard Phil very clearly and carefully set up the background to this, uh, to, uh, for the writing of this letter. And I'm just going to remind you that uh, Paul was writing as a prisoner of Rome. 
to a small church that he planted in the Roman colony of Philippi. And he's writing to this church, this, this group of people, because he knows there's a struggle. Your faith is not like some diet that you can start and then stop and then start again and stop again and start again. Your faith has to be always growing, always progressing. And it's almost, it's almost like your body. You know, if you, stop, if you stop exercising, you stop lifting, you stop um, the, the healthy eating, your body's not going to stay the same. It's not. It's going to get weaker and fatter. That's just a fact. You're slowly going to lose muscle mass, at least if you're my age. You're, you're going to slow down, and, and your faith is like that. Your faith is like that. If you, if you stop, if you're not continually building and, and working out your faith and spending time with God and, and engaging with the church of God, your faith is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. That's how it, that's how it works. And here's what I'm trying to say, really, before we start you know, looking at the text this morning, is your faith is extremely important to God. That probably goes without saying, right? But sometimes we just need to be reminded, your faith is extremely important to God. And it forces us to ask, how important is, how important is my faith to me? If you were to look at my life and look at my calendar and look at my relationships and all of those things, how, how important would you say my faith is to me? How, if you were to talk to my neighbors and my coworkers, or maybe not my coworkers, but, you know, my, my friends and family, my wife, how, what would she say? How, would, how important would they say my faith is to me? Philippians 1.6, in Philippians 1.6, Paul uttered these famous words, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is confident that God is going to finish whatever he started in you. But that doesn't mean that we can just sit back and and let things happen and and just live our life and hope that we, you know, okay, I prayed a prayer one day or I was baptized or whatever you think gets you near to God and then you you just kind of do whatever you want and and I'm just going to naturally grow closer to God. It doesn't work that way. Even though your faith started with God and it's going to end with God and God, is, and, and God is working and everything in between, we, we are the ones who have to build, build into each other, build that faith, build it up. God is never going to set your faith aside to work on something more important in your life. Your faith is the most important thing in your life. It is the most important thing about you. Paul said down in verse 25 of chapter 1. Paul said, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Your faith is the most important thing about you. And that's why we think it's a pretty big deal that you come to church regularly. And I know it sounds self-serving for me as a pastor to say, hey, you should come to church every week, right? It sounds self-serving. But I want to tell you, that's not, why we, that's not why we want you to come to church every week. It's not because we want something from you or because we need something from you. That's not what this is about. The reason why we think it's important, here's what I would say. If you decided, I'm, never, I'm not coming back to church again in 2017, I'm going to take the next two and a half months off of church. Some people do that. <laughs> Some people take more time off than that. If you choose to do that, I, I, will, I promise you, your faith will get weaker. Your faith will get weaker. You will become vulnerable, more vulnerable to temptation. 
You will become less generous. You will struggle more. You will sin more. You will be more prone to anger. I can go on and on and on. Because we believe that there is something very powerful and significant about the gathering of the saints. When we sing together and we praise God together, we are reminding each other what God has done and who God is and who we are. And that we are here for each other. That's what we're doing when we're singing. We're not going through the motions. When the word of God is preached, we believe that is a significant event. The word of God being proclaimed to God's people. God uses that. The Holy Spirit is in that, in the preaching of God's word to build up the people of God, to make us stronger, to build our faith, to take us from this point to a, to a new place in our relationship with God. That's why we believe it's important to gather regularly and to be together, to be the church. So if I ever ask you, I know I've asked many of you, you know, if I ever say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, we miss you, we love you, haven't seen you in a few weeks, it's not because I'm trying to make you feel guilty. <laughs> it's not because I'm trying to say, hey, if, if you don't come to church, something's wrong with you, I get it, it's hard to come to church, right? The reason, I, we, the reason we compel you to gather with God's people is because we care about your faith, because God cares about your faith, because your faith is precious, in God's eyes, and it's precious to us, it's important to us. That's why. That's why this is important. It's because God says it's important. But it is a struggle, is it not? It is a struggle. It's a struggle. So let's talk about the struggle. There is a struggle to stick together. There's a struggle to stick together as God's people. The Apostle Paul in, in Philippians 1, 18 to 20, he wrote this, Yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then in verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we sometimes focus on that verse and say, wow, that's like, some people make that their life first. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing statement. But listen to what Paul said right before that about these, these people that he's writing to in Philippi. Paul is talking about his personal spiritual growth. He's giving us a window into his own personal spiritual development, his own relationship with God. And what does he say? What does Paul say uh, about his spiritual growth? How does one of the most spiritual and powerful and influential men who ever lived grow in his relationship with God? What's his secret? Here's the secret in verse 19. Through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus. That's pretty amazing. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying that his spiritual, spiritual growth does not happen in isolation from the church. It happens from his relationships in the church. It happens through the prayers of the church. It happens in harmony with the church. It happened because Paul grew in his faith and he grew in his love for God and he had a powerful ministry because a local church was supporting him in prayer and supporting him in very tangible ways too. They were giving him money. They were giving him people to help him in his work. 
I mean, Paul is close with these people. He led many of them to faith in Christ. He baptized some of them. He loves them. He knows them by name. They know him. There's a relationship there. This is a personal letter to a real group of people that really lived in the first century. And we can actually deduce from what he says here that if it were not for this church and other local churches who were praying for Paul and ministering to Paul's needs and helping him carry his burdens and coming alongside him and supporting him, that the Apostle Paul, would, we would not even know his name. He would not have even been a memorable figure in the gospel movement in the Roman Empire. It's because he was tied together with real local churches. That's why we even know the name Paul. <laughs> That's why we know who he is. That's why he was able to write these letters. Otherwise, he would have never made, he would not have even finished the race. I, I would go so far as to say Paul was concerned that if it wasn't for the prayers and the support of the Philippians and the other churches that he planted and his relationships with them and their support of him, that he would, he would be worried that he would maybe someday fall away from the faith. That's how important it was to Paul. He was so earnestly concerned about finishing the race, finishing the journey. And he wants, he wants us to finish the journey. He's very concerned about that. When you decide to follow Jesus, you are adopted into God's family. You're not a, God does not send you on some solo journey. You need us. We need you. We're in this together. Paul would, Paul would never have made it without the church. That's what he's saying. But here's the problem. Sticking together is hard. It's really hard. Because we are different. We have different opinions. We have different backgrounds. We have different personalities. We have different tastes and preferences. We have weaknesses. All of us do. We are sinners. And uh, in our sinful nature, we rage against Christ-centered intimacy. Because for us to really... For me to really know you, and for you to really know me, and for us to grow together on this journey, we have to be willing to take our masks off. And I have to be willing to get close to you, and you have to be willing to get close to me. And that's a struggle. We have to be willing to submit ourselves to one another, and to consider others better than ourselves. That is so hard. <laughs> that takes a level of humility that, that I believe is otherworldly. That doesn't come naturally for us. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, but for now, let's just admit this. It's easier and safer to keep each other at arm's length than to get close to one another. It is. It just is. It's always going to be easier to keep each other at a safe distance than it is to draw near. But if we never get close enough to each other, we will never get close enough to Christ and we'll never make the kind of difference in our communities that God has empowered us to make. So what's the solution? What do we need to do? In, in verse, verses 27 and 28 of chapter 1 of Philippians, which Phil began to, we began to look at last week, we're going to look at it again today. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, 
striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So there's a struggle to stick together, but there's also a struggle to live a life worthy of the gospel. That is a struggle. And here's what this means. What Paul is saying is, whatever happens and wherever you live, wherever you find yourself, make sure that you show yourself to be a worthy citizen of your heavenly homeland. Live in such a way that people are able to recognize that this world is not your true home. That's what this is about. Another way you could say it is, live to show Jesus' worth. Live to show the worth, the worthiness of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to live for. That's what it means to live worthy of the gospel. But, but don't miss the community component. That's here. That's, that's what this is about. You can't miss the together side-by-side part. That's how it happens. So when Paul says standing firm, that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side. Okay, we're going to isolate that part of the verse. Paul's saying that Christians, disciples of Jesus, should do things together. Okay, we don't just gather on Sundays. That's not, we don't just come to church and then leave and then, okay, see you next week. Okay, that's not it. This is just the starting point. Okay, we're called to do things together Eat together, serve together, help each other, witness together, volunteer together outside of the church building and in the secular community. And God wants us, as we do this, to stick together and stay focused on the gospel and loving each other and proclaiming Christ in our words and deeds. This is a whole life kind of thing. This is a lifestyle, in other words. It's not a once a week thing. It's an everyday thing. And God is saying that this will be a struggle. This is going to be a struggle. It's going to, be, it's going to require striving, competing, contending, wrestling, fighting. There's, there's, in the original language, there's, a, there's two components to this. There's like an athletic side, like competing together. And there's also kind of a military side. It's almost like you are, Phil and I were talking about this last week, it's like, your brothers in a foxhole, brothers and sisters in a foxhole together, under fire, standing together, striving together towards the same goal. And it's going to be a struggle. Why is it such a struggle? Because when Jesus and his gospel become the most important thing in your life, you're going to lose something. There's a cost to this way of life. You, you can expect to be rejected. At times you will feel intimidated and pressured and maybe even threatened. You might get verbally abused. You might be made fun of. You might be ridiculed. Some people in the world are in physical danger because of their faith. Actually, many people are. And that is why God says over and over in the New Testament that this life, this race, this journey is not one you can finish on your own. It takes a community. You need a faith community to support you and pray for you and help carry your burdens and, and help heal you and strive with you side by side for the faith of the gospel. As uh, Pastor Scott said, we passed our final inspection this last week. It was a big deal. And we are praising God for that. In, in the months leading up, we, we, uh, we purchased a 18-foot wide banner that's on the building right now. It says Cross Point Church, 
Sundays, 10 a.m. It's a really big banner, at least if you're trying to hold it. Um, It's big enough you can see it from across the street and all that. And this week, actually, uh, we think that sign will get replaced with a new permanent marquee in the same spot. We're excited about that, too. Uh, But this banner is... We, we put the banner on the outside of the building because we want people to know who we are. We want people to know that we're here, right? And here's, here's what I want you to know. When we do things as a church together in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities, in the name of Jesus, and we get to point people to Jesus or talk about Jesus through mercy ministry or works of compassion or simply being a blessing to strangers or even better, being a blessing to our enemies. When we do that, it's like God is raising us up as a banner. And the banner reads, good news is spoken here. God's grace is on display here. God's power is at work here. New life can be found here. And that doesn't matter where we are. We don't have to be in a building for that to happen. We could be out on the streets. We could be in downtown West Dallas at one of the events in downtown West Dallas. And it's like we are a living banner. And when people see us responding to our enemies with kindness and blessing strangers, we're expecting nothing in return in the name of Jesus, proclaiming Jesus as the only way to life, things like that, when we are serving people, loving people, in the name of Jesus for the gospel, we become God's banner. Or as Phil said last week, we, we authenticate the gospel through our words, through our deeds. And so Paul concludes the chapter by saying this in verses 29 and 30. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. In other words, it's a privilege to suffer. I don't know if you ever thought of suffering that way as a gift, but that's how Paul's talking about it. It's been granted to you for the sake of Jesus Christ that you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The the New Living Translation in verse 30, it, it translates this way, we are in this struggle together. We are in this struggle together. That's, the, that's what he's saying. And what I want for you more than anything is my church and, and my family is to be engaged in the struggle. To be engaged in the struggle. Are you engaged in the struggle? I, I know that following Christ is hard, but don't shrink back. I know that coming to church every Sunday is hard, but don't shrink back. We, we wanted our, our, our two older daughters to be at Sunday school this morning, but it didn't work out. You know why? Because there's sometimes chaos in our house on Sunday morning. I'm here, my wife's at home, you know. When, I get, when she gets up on Sunday mornings, I'm never there. And we have five kids. It is, I, we get it. It's so hard. You don't always get there on time, or you might not get there at all. <laughs> We're never going to judge you for that. Or make you feel like you're less valuable or something like that. It's a struggle. We get it. But don't shrink back. Don't give up. I know that coming to church every Sunday is hard. I know that serving is hard and giving yourself to people is hard. But please, don't shrink back. Because the struggle is worth it. That's what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel. 
It means to be engaged in the struggle together. It means to embrace the struggle. It means to strive together in the face of adversity. What, what is the conflict that Paul had? What's he talking about? When he says, I want you to be engaged in the same conflict I had, what's he talking about? Well, here, I'll, I'll just give you a brief summary of some of the things Paul talks about. There's division in the churches. There's division in the church in Philippi. There's people disagreeing and arguing about things that aren't important. They're pulling back from one another. There'd be, there's pressure to choose sides. I'm with her, and I'm with, or I'm with her. I'm with him. People are giving up, walking away from the church, walking away from the faith. People are criticizing Paul. They're criticizing, saying he's a lousy preacher, that he has no credibility, that he's long-winded, that he never went to seminary, things like that. They're criticizing him and his ministry. There are people opposing him in the church, and there are people opposing him outside the church. Anytime he enters a new city and preaches the gospel, he faces threats, intimidation, hardship. He's been beaten with rods. He's been flogged. He's been thrown in prison. On one occasion, he was beaten to death, not to death. He was stoned to the point where, stoned in the sense that people were throwing stones at him, so badly that his friends thought he was dead. He He had scars all over his body, all over his body, because of his faith. And that didn't matter to him because his faith was more important to him than his body. He was constantly under pressure to do things and say things to compromise or stay safe. And my point is that, here's my point, here's why I tell you that. I am sure that the Apostle Paul had so many good reasons for shrinking back. For walking away from the ministry, for walking away from the church, and just deciding to follow, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus on my own. I'm going to become a monk. I'm going to go up into the mountains and just spend time alone with God because it's so much easier. It's so much more peaceful and quiet. I won't be beaten everywhere and threatened by all these people. I'm just going to stay away from the chaos of the city and the chaos of the churches and away from suffering, and I'm just going to follow God on my own. It's going to be so much more peaceful and safer because of people. I don't, I don't need people. People are problems. I just want to do this on my own. Haven't you ever thought, if I, you know, if I could just follow Jesus on my own and not have to deal with these people, life would be so much easier? You know, if I could, I, I, just, can't, I just can't handle the noise and the politics and the personalities. I come to church and this one guy rubs me the wrong way and, you know, there's always, they're always asking me to do things. The church is so clingy. I just need my space. Have you ever thought that about the church? We probably all have, right? But please hear this word today. God is calling you to engage in the conflict, to get involved, to embrace the struggle. I need you to keep praying for me. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm not going to give up on you. We're not going to give up on you. This is a fight to the finish. That's what our faith is. It's a fight to the finish together. And we're going to strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel because we're in this struggle together. There's no other way to follow Jesus. It's together. And I wanted to come up with a really simple statement that kind of captures the point of this whole passage, one you all could easily remember. So here's what I came up with. Unity through humility in the community in the face of hostility gives credibility to the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just kidding. 
That's actually what, it, what I think it is. But here, here's what, here's, I'll give you a simpler one. We've got your back. We've got your back. That's what I want you to remember today. We've got your back. I don't care if this is your first time in our church or if you've been coming here for years. We've got your back. When you suffer, we have your back. When you witness to someone, we have your back. When, when you struggle with doubts, we have your back. When your marriage is falling apart, we have your back. When your kids embarrass you, we have your back. When one of your kids ruins their life, we have your back. When you feel like you want to fade away or shrink back or just give up, we have your back. We are striving with you side by side. And I'd like to do something quick as we close the service this morning. I want to ask my small group to come up here on stage. Just my small group. And there's more people that I could have asked to come up on stage. But if you are in my small group and you are here, please come up on stage right now just for a minute. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird or, say, or give your testimony or anything like that. These are my, this is my small group right here. Minus a couple people. We meet together every other week. We pray together, we eat together, we sometimes serve together, we love each other. And I know that if, if I were to mess up my life, <laughs> which I've done before, that these people would have my back. If I were to end up in prison for something good or bad, these people would have my back. If I were to be struggling in my marriage, these people have my back. They would pray for me. They would reach out to me. They would be concerned for me. They would not forget about me. They would not leave me alone. Because they get it. They, we, we get it. We're in this struggle together. That's why we have small groups. That's why community is so important to us. That's why we tell you, it's great if you come on Sundays. It's great to worship together and sing together and gather, but... There's so much more to it than that. We know each other really well. There's a lot of things we don't know about each other yet. But we know some of the good things and some of the not so good things, and we still love each other. And that's what it means to strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. So let's close in prayer. God, I thank you. Our Father, I thank you for the people who are on the stage with me standing here by my side right now. I thank you, God, that there are people in my life that you've put in my life who love me and care about my faith. And without the people who are on this stage right now and a lot more people who aren't, I know that I would be distancing myself. I would not be engaged in the struggle. I would be falling away. So I thank you, God, for these brothers and sisters, and I thank you for this church. And I pray that if there's anyone sitting in, in this room right now who is not engaged in the conflict, who's not engaged in the struggle, who's keeping us at arm's length, who's afraid or ashamed, that you, God, would help them to take that next step. That they would engage with us. That they would engage in the same conflict that we have. That they would embrace the struggle with us so that we could be a strong church that is making disciples wherever we go. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.